Welcome to the Abide Podcast, where our goal is helping others delight in Christ for the sake of becoming more like Christ with the hope of multiplying disciples of Christ. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of the Abide Podcast. I'm really excited about my conversation today because I have the third and final senior staff member, Jonathan, here with us. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Thank you. I am excited to be here. That's for sure. (laughs) Jonathan, go ahead and tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, Well, my name is Jonathan. Um, I go to A&M Galveston. I'm a senior in maritime administration. Hopefully, I will never have to use my degree in my life (laughs) and go into the residency program, but that is not necessarily for certain yet. We'll kind of see where God takes me, Um, but that's a little bit about me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right. Well, you know it's coming. Yes, I've prepared for this. What is your favorite smell? My favorite smell by far is pumpkin spice. And really, oh, it's so good. It's, wow. Yeah. And so I'll go, um, HEB has those like little glades or whatever, like the mm-hmm. little plug in air fresheners mm-hmm. of pumpkin spice, obviously around the fall. And so I'll go and I'll just like buy like four or five packs of them <laughs> so that they'll last me for an extended period of time. And so wow. right now I'm, I still have pumpkin spice and I have had pumpkin spice for the whole last year now so wow i just really love pumpkin spice okay so like a follow-up question to that would be do you like the flavor of pumpkin spice uh great question i honestly can't say i've tried many things with pumpkin spice the only thing that i think of with pumpkin spice is like a pumpkin spice latte and i don't like coffee so that really (laughs) nicks that entirely do you like pumpkin pie pie? yeah it's all right it's honestly probably not like my top favorite Mm. pie um, but that's probably more so just because of like the consistency and texture of it than the oh, that's flavor. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. I will say the smell of pumpkin spice is oh, top notch. So much better than the actual flavor of it, in my opinion. That's fair. I would I'm, agree with that. I'm not a huge fan of pumpkin spice lattes, so I'm not a basic white girl like that. <laughs> you made it. Congratulations, Laura. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, today we're going to be talking about how to read your Bible part two. And this is really just a continuation of our conversation that we had with Kayla last week about um, just beholding the text. And interpretation really goes hand in hand with that. And you're going to see that in our conversation um, as we talk about what to do when you're trying to understand hard passages or just understand scripture in general. My first question for you, Jonathan, is why is it important to spend time interpreting the text instead of just moving on and going about your day after you read it? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, the reason that we sit on the text and interpret the text is because true and genuine and authentic transformation, which is what we should be seeking as Christians, what we are called to seek, um, and what we should want, is not going to come through just reading the text and moving on from it. It's only going to come through the interpretation and the the digging into uh, Scripture. You really have to process the information. That's what I think interpretation kind of comes down to. Yeah. If you don't understand what you're reading, how can you be transformed yeah, by it? Absolutely. It's the the interpretation leads to that understanding and that leads to conviction in your heart and mm-hmm. that's how we grow. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, where the the application of the scripture into our lives mm-hmm. cannot come if we do not interpret and understand the scripture. Yeah, exactly. Understand the text how it is meant to be understood. Yeah. Because there is a purpose for why this text was written. Um, I don't know if 
people out there know this, but the Bible was written, obviously, by God. He's the author of the entire Bible. He inspired it. However, there was human authors of it as well. And each book was written with a specific purpose in mind to a specific people at a specific time in history. And so understanding what the author was getting across to the people he was writing to is so important for understanding the text itself. And then also taking that a step further and understanding how we can apply the truths of those texts to our lives today. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a, a huge um, misconception in culture, but also it's kind of starting to you know, infiltrate the church um, that we just get to decide uh, what things mean to us, um, what the, you know, what the Bible means to, to me, this is what the scripture is saying to me. Um, this is my truth, stuff like that. Mm. I have a a huge problem with that because Mm -hmm. I think while there are absolutely different applications to what the truth is saying, Mm -hmm. I firmly believe in the idea of objective truth and just the reality that the, like you said, like the Bible is written by someone for a specific reason. Mm -hmm. And that itself has truth and meaning that cannot be um, redefined by the right. church today or culture today or anything mm-hmm. like that. Like it is, it is exactly what it is. And mm-hmm. who are we yeah. to, um, to change that meaning or to decide, uh, what it means that kind of goes into, uh, the concept of exegesis versus eisegesis. Yeah. Um, go ahead and define what those sure. two words mean for people who Big. aren't Bible nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so exegesis is um, when you, that's the good one. That's when you pull the meaning out of the text mm-hmm. and you let the text define itself. Um, whereas eisegesis is when you, you push your own meaning into the text mm-hmm. and you define the text. Yeah. And eisegesis is just such a dangerous uh, game. Uh, the Bible is what should be shaping our worldview. Mm-hmm. We should not be shaping the um, the Bible to our own worldview yeah. because the Bible is written by the God who made the world. Mm-hmm. So how much greater is his worldview than our own limited uh, right. worldview? It reminds me of Job talking to, or God talking to Job mm-hmm. in the book of Job um, when, when at the end, um, you know, Job cries out to God and, you know, God says, you know, who are you, Job? Where were you when I created mm-hmm. the foundations of the, mm-hmm. the of the earth? Like, who are you to to question me here? Like, right. my ways uh, it says that in Isaiah something about um, you know my ways are above your ways and you my know, thoughts above your thoughts. Yours. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, like, we as Christians, first we believe that God is you know He is perfect, He is good, He is Almighty, He is omniscient, om- omnipresent, all of these things. Um, and there and his word is inerrant. And then at the same time, we also believe that we as humans are so broken and flawed and we are sinners who deserve death. But, you know, obviously Christ came down and, mm. you know, redeemed us from that. But um, who are we to to look at ourselves as broken and sinful people and then look at the the inerrant word of the all powerful God and mm-hmm. say what I have to say is more important than you. That mm. that is crazy. That is crazy. And for those of you who don't know, the word inerrant means not having any errors oh. in it. Yeah. Important distinction. <laughs> that, that is what, and I didn't even think to define that. That's, yeah. yeah. So the Bible has no errors in it. Yeah. Um, and I think something that you said that is so important to realize and remember is that um, the Bible doesn't shape our worldview. I mean, yeah. whoa, the Bible no, it does. does. It does. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The Bible does shape our worldview. Yeah. Our worldview doesn't shape the Bible. And that goes back to the Bible being timeless. Yeah, Because absolutely. the ultimate author of the Bible is a timeless God. You know, I hear a lot of people who are like, well, the Bible was written so long ago and like sure. in a different culture and just doesn't apply. Yeah. 
No, it does. Nope. It 100% does. Yeah. And people who say that, in my opinion, just don't understand the Bible enough uh. to see how it very much directly applies to us today. Yeah. And, and it goes to show just kind of like the... Uh, the lack of understanding of just who God is mm-hmm. um, as a person, just like the, you know, the fact that he is unending and unchanging and like, you know, thank God for that, that mm-hmm. he does not change. He is not fickle like the wind or anything like that. Yeah. Like he, he is who he is and he has been for all time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the Bible is his, the, you know, the word that he's chosen to give all people at all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's also important to understand the proper interpretation of a text in order to not take it out of context. Yes, context is so huge. Oh my goodness. I will not tell you how many times it makes me want to flip a table whenever I hear someone take <laughs> scripture out of context and use it for their own agenda. Yep. Oh man. That's, I like getting heated awful. just thinking yep. about it. <laughs> and and it, it's people use it for such like simple things too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, again, the classic example of Philippians four thirteen. <laughs> it is not, you know, about yeah about you being successful like in all situations it is about paul being having everything he needs even when he has nothing like that's like he can do all things when he is broken when he has many Mm -hmm. or when he has much or when he has little whatever that phrase is like he he can do anything because of christ's strength when he has nothing like that's the the key there yeah context Classic is everything philippians 413 i know gotta love those sports teams oh man <laughs> now that we've talked about the importance of interpreting scripture talk about how you personally go about interpreting and understanding passages as you're reading them sure yeah so um so the first step obviously i think you guys talked about it last week is just to to read it and mark it up um and so for me uh, I've done that in two different ways now. In my last Bible, I had a set of like seven colored pencils, um, each with a different uh, meaning. And when I would I would read it, and then I would go back through, and I would highlight, you know, attributes of God or attributes of man or commands of God or you know repetitive words or stuff like that, um, just to just to get the the bigger picture as to what the text is saying. Mm-hmm. And then I also had a kind of a journal with that where I would write, um, you know, key ideas and concepts and what what the the truth is in this passage, what what he's trying to communicate. Um, I'd kind of put things in my own words that would help me to I'd mm. understand what God is saying through that scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, in this Bible, the one I have right now, I kind of do the same thing, um, but I just use pencil um, just because I it's a lot less work. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with that, I'm underlining, you know, key phrases and circling key words. Um, I love parallels. So anytime there's a parallel in the Bible at all, I'll just, you know, draw connections like mm-hmm. I was reading um, in Psalm like three or something. Uh, David, it's a Psalm of David. And he's, he's talking about, um, he says, you know, many, many are my foes. Many are the people trying to kill me. Many are my enemies, all this kind of thing. Um, and then at the end in like verse six, he says, uh, but I will not fear the many. And it's like, man, mm. like that's, oh, I love that. <laughs> like he, it's just, it's just those simple like parallels as to like what, um, what the many means to like David's like uh, human nature, but then what the many mean to David when he's rooted in God mm-hmm. and just like, just like stuff like that. Like anytime there's a parallel, I love it. And I'll, I'll, you know, mark all that up. Yeah. Um, and then also uh, my Bible has, I got this Bible specifically because it has like super wide margins with like lines on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of cuts out my need for a journal. And, you know, in that uh, I'll write again, like what I would write in the journal with, you know, what, 
what is this passage saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I love like theological quotes. So if there's a theological mm-hmm. quote I think of, I'll kind of write that there um, and just really just digest like what is being said here um, and just, you know, writing it and writing what, again, what everything means in the, in the context that is written in. Again, that's the most important part. It's mm-hmm. not when I, when you interpret the text, it's not about um, what does this mean to me? It's about what does this mean and what is this saying? Mm-hmm. And so just going through that with that lens that, you know, you want God to be shaping your worldview um, and you want him to be convicting you and uh, helping you grow an understanding of who he is and what our relationship is with him mm-hmm. um, is huge. Um, so those are kind of the my my main things when I mm-hmm. um, am interpreting is just just absolutely just trying to dig apart the text as mm-hmm as deeply as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite ways to dig apart the text is just to go back to the original language mm. um, that there's so many examples <laughs> of just like, um, like obviously I believe that the, the English translation of the Bible is again, inerrant without error. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of times there's such beauty in the original language that it was written in that yeah. we miss. Um, for example, uh, in Genesis one, some, I find this very fascinating. Some people are not <laughs> interested in it at all. But when God says, it's like Genesis 1, 3 or something like that. And it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Mm-hmm. In the English, that's like what? I don't know, eight, 10 words. I wasn't counting there. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's a lot of words. Um, but when you go back to the original uh, Hebrew, mm-hmm. it's just four words. It's It translates to, God said, light be, light was. Like it, and... <laughs> That just fascinates me. Yeah. Some people might find that boring, but just like the fact that like God was so succinct with his words, there was not a single syllable wasted when he mm-hmm. said, when he spoke light into existence, mm-hmm. he said, light exist, light existed. Like, gosh, <laughs> I love that. Like, it's Man. just so, it's just so cool to me. Um, and that's something that we just miss. Like, yeah. that's something that the, the English translation, because we don't have those same kind of words, we, you know, had to draw it out into four you know, eight or 10 words or something like that. But in the original Hebrew, it's just so beautifully (laughs) succinct. Mm -hmm. Um, My favorite example of this probably is when, um, you know, after Peter has denied Christ three times and he's come back, um, Jesus is talking to Peter Mm -hmm. and he says, Peter, do you love me? And when Jesus says that for the first time, he uses the agape. And so he's saying, Peter, do you sacrificially love me? Mm -hmm. And Peter says, he's like, yeah, Lord, I love you. But Peter right there uses, uh, I think it's pronounced philios, and that's like the brotherly love. Mm -hmm. So initially, Jesus is like, Peter, do you love me sacrificially? And Peter's like, yeah, I love you as a friend. And then Jesus is like, no, that's not the question I asked. And so he repeats it. He says, Peter, do you sacrificially love me? And Peter, again, he's like, I brotherly love you. (laughs) Like, is that, you know, is that enough? And Mm -hmm. And then the last time Jesus asked that, he says, Peter, do you even brotherly love me? Mm. And then, you know, Peter says, well, you know that I love you or something like that. But like how much mm. more heartbreaking is, is those, are those verses in the context of the original language when we just kind of miss that um, because of, you know, us only having one word for love. Yeah. Like there's just so much beauty wow. in the original language yeah. that I just, just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. That just goes to show you how much we miss when we just simply read the text and yeah. just be like, okay, cool. That's yep. what it says. Yep. It would, it would be so easy to take that at its surface level where mm-hmm. it's just, okay, Jesus is asking the same question three times be, simply because 
Peter denied Jesus three times. Mm-hmm. And like, that is absolutely true. Yeah. Like that is a, you know, that's the reason he asked that question. Yeah. Um, but there's so much more to it than that. So in just much. like the, in the beauty, like, like Jesus by asking those questions is he's piercing the heart of yeah. Peter right there. He's really making Peter think. Um, there's mm-hmm. a phrase um, that something like God's wounds cure while sins kisses kill something. Mm-hmm. I could be butchering that completely, mm-hmm. but like the idea of when Jesus was asking these questions, like he was, you know, in a way like wounding Peter yeah. and like, like cut, <laughs> I'm <literally>, wounded. <laughs> yeah, like cutting deep into his heart. Um, but he was able to, to use those like deep cutting questions to uh, really restore mm-hmm. um, Peter to kind of like the, the position. Cause you know, right after that, he says, take care of my sheep yeah. um, and stuff like that. And so he really like restores and redeems um, Peter in that aspect. Yeah. Um, just, just because of his words, words are powerful and words have meaning. So powerful. Mm-hmm. Another example of that, which this doesn't necessarily go back to the original language, but it is an example of when you're reading something in the Bible and you're like, why is that? Why is that detail in there? I don't understand. Um, looking it up and, and finding out like what these phrases or words mean is so helpful. Sure. So for example, I'm reading Hosea right now with some of my friends in a discipleship group. And um, to set up the context of this, God commands Hosea to go and buy back essentially his wife, who is um, an adulterer. Mm-hmm. She has gone off with some other man and... God tells him to go and buy her back. And so this is what it says in Hosea 3, 2. It says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a leck of barley. Now. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> shekels is money, but that's about it. Yeah. I, you know, most people would just read that and be like, okay, he bought her moving on. Yeah. Right. That's what I did up yep. until this past time when I looked up what... 15 shekels of silver, a homer, and a luck of barley is. So starting with a luck of barley, that is just like food for cattle. Nice. Okay? So that's Gotta just kind of food. like added in there. That's but essential. what really got me was that 15 shekels of silver mm-hmm. was equivalent to half the price of a dead slave in that wow. time frame. A homer was equivalent to 15 shekels. So essentially, Hosea bought his wife back for the price of a dead, dead slave. slave. Wow, that's interesting. Now, when you think about that, and when you parallel it, um, because Hosea in this instance can be, you know, paralleled to Christ, yeah. and um, his wife can be paralleled to Israel, and Israel mm-hmm. is a representation of us. Yep. And so, when you think about it, Hosea bought his wife, the most precious thing that a man can have. Mm-hmm. For the price of a dead slave, the lowest of the low, and yeah. not even a living thing, Yeah. when you parallel that to what Christ did for us, God the Father gave up not the lowest of the low. He yeah. gave up the, the most best. costly, yeah. most precious thing to get people who are dead. Yeah. Oh, man. Ooh, that's, ooh that gave me chills right, right there. That's insane. And yeah. I, I got all of that from the 15 shekels of silver, a homer and a leg yeah. of barley. That's crazy. And we might look at that story and say, you know, oh, okay, well, you know, this wife was, you know, an adulterer. Like he, she's already kind of like lost that position. Why is he even buying her back to begin with? Mm-hmm. And, but even that is at such like a low cost to yeah. him. It's, you know, the, the price of a dead slave. Um, Shows how worthless yeah, she is. Yeah, exactly. And then to, to contrast that with, again, like you said, just how much, 
Christ sacrificed for us. Christ gave up his entire life for us. Mm-hmm. God gave up his son yeah. so that we can come and you know be restored and redeemed. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. The fact that he bought her for that low of a price not only shows her worthlessness, because she's a representation of us, mm-hmm. it shows our worthlessness. Yeah. And God was like, you know what? These people have done absolutely nothing deserving yeah. of my love. And yet I'm going to give everything yeah. for this worthless people to know me. That's awesome. And that, like, I read that probably like three weeks ago and like sure. came to that realization. I have been dwelling on that fact since oh, then. And I it's bet. just gotten deeper and deeper. And yeah. like, I still have chills like right now yeah, talking about awesome. it. So that just goes to show that the act of interpretation, digging into the text, finding out what things like a shekel of silver is, yep. Yep. Um, and then dwelling on those theological aspects of what the text is saying is so beneficial. Absolutely it is. That also goes to show that anywhere you are in scripture, it can be pointed back to the cross. Oh, absolutely. And it can be related to Christ. Yep. You just have to really wrestle with the text, sometimes mm-hmm. a long time, in order to see those connections, but they're yeah. there. Yeah. Another important aspect of interpretation that I don't think we've quite hit on yet is interpreting scripture with scripture. Um, Scripture is really great at defending itself um, because, you know, I think a lot of people have come across when they're reading scripture, they read something and they're like, wait a second, that that seems contradictory to what I read over here or it's really arbitrary or just confusing. Um, Being able to interpret unclear kind of hazy passages Mm -hmm. with very crystal clear passages theology wise Mm -hmm. is um going to be really beneficial yeah and i think helping to do this is already something built into your bible um the superscripts of numbers or letters Mm -hmm. um you know a lot of times we'll be reading something and we'll just skip right over it but a lot of times they'll either be clarifying what this word means or another like meaning of the word Mm -hmm. from the original language or it will be referencing another scripture verse that it is referencing yeah and this is really good when you're in the new testament and it references old testament scripture to actually go back and read that passage that that scripture is referenced in to get the context of where that scripture is coming from and then go back and reread it in the new testament passage Mm -hmm. you can get a much clearer understanding of what the author was trying to say there yeah definitely uh one of my favorite examples of that is um, jesus on the cross when he says you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, that's mm-hmm. actually a psalm. Um, and in the psalm, you know, it starts off, my God, my God, why have you forsaken mm-hmm. me? Um, but then by the end of it, uh, of course, in kind of, you know, David's fashion, uh, it's it turns into this prayer of praise for uh, who God is. Um, it's Psalms 22. I'm trying to look and see if there's any uh, verses that just kind of stand out here. Um, so verse one is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, uh, and by night, but I find no rest. Uh, and then it goes on in uh, verse 27. He says, "All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you, for kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations." And so you see, just in the context, man, I'm getting chills from that passage. <laughs> yeah, like you see in the context, like when Jesus in on the cross says, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Like that is his his genuine cry, but then you also see where that cry is coming from, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, word for word, the same thing as Psalms 22, and mm-hmm. so even in 
you know, Christ's like last cry out is this assurance, and it's it's the connotation of this psalm that um, uh, again, like all the end, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. Like mm-hmm. how much how much more weight does that put on uh, Christ saying, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When you yeah. understand the the full context of the you know the verses that he's pulling from from Psalms, mm-hmm. I think that's so huge and again so beautiful and so poetic beautiful. yeah it just goes to show how much we miss when we yes. don't actually spend time to interpret what we're reading yep you have to that's the the hardest thing there is you just have to stop and just like absorb that context yeah. like i think you know in today's world like everything's so you know just fast-paced and so it's easy mm-hmm. to to not slow down yep. enough to really like dig into you know the truth that that god has for us in the bible yeah. and we just ignore it I think also it shows that the Bible's no in no way boring. Facts. Um, Facts. I understand where people come from when they're like, "Well, the Bible's boring," because I had that mentality when I first started reading the Bible. But that's because I didn't know how to read my Bible, sure. right? Yeah. And so the whole reason for this, for doing these five episodes of this podcast, is to help people read their Bible. Mm-hmm. And interpretation, I think, is honestly one of the key things to do to help you delight more in the I Lord. Agree. Absolutely. I've, again, struggled kind of with that same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like, this is so boring. Like, for example, like in Joshua, everybody kind of prepares you <laughs> for, you know, the first five books, like the Torah, whatever. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's the law. It's kind of boring. Nobody talks about Joshua. Joshua has great stories. Great. Phenomenal. And then it says, and here is the, <laughs> the borders of this <laughs> nation. of this yeah, tribe. It's like, why, it's, man, that, I read that and I was just like, what is going on? Why is this here? You know, and so in that, I obviously believe that there's more to um, all of those the allotments of land in Joshua than just to um, to make us ask questions. But one of the purposes of Joshua could be, or you know, those parts in Joshua could be for us to ask questions about mm-hmm. why is this here? Like, and that's that's yeah. a huge, you know, just like starting point and like in right. these in these hard to understand passages is okay this is here for a reason god did not have to put this in here if he didn't want it to be here there's mm-hmm. some justification for it being here right i may not know it you may not know it but it is there for a reason regardless and so just digging into mm. um what that is and again understanding the context i think last time when i read it i really wasn't understanding the uh historical context as to why it's there um because that you know a lot of it is uh you know like the tribes of israel and kind of you know it sets them up and so mm-hmm. there's significance in that uh, but yeah, yeah, the Bible doesn't waste details. Facts, and it's it's easy to not realize that if you just read it for its sort of entertainment value instead right. of its uh, like the truth in it. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that like it's easy to perceive it as boring if you're not um, if you're not in the right heart um, yeah. for reading it. I think it's another huge thing that mm-hmm. you hit on two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jesus and I had a whole conversation about that. Yeah, And it really emphasizes the fact that you have to come to the Bible. If you want to learn and grow in your faith, mm-hmm. and if you want to deepen your relationship with the Lord, you have to come with a heart that is willing to Facts. actually go deeper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Could not agree more. I think just one last simple point to make about interpretation is if you can't summarize the passage that you mm. just read, then you don't understand the passage that you just read. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's something that I like to do after I've read before I start kind of uh, like pulling it apart um, because it's important to know um, or at least have the idea of what, what the context as a whole mm-hmm. is for the passage and to when you go back and annotate and kind of read, that helps you to understand how does this verse relate to the overall context and the overall truth 
of the passage. Mm. And so, yeah, absolutely. Being able to understand what it is that the, uh, the passage is saying. Without it, you've, again, you've learned nothing. Like even if you try and pull nuggets of truth without understanding what the actual truth is, mm-hmm. that's, you know, kind of goes back to the, the eisegesis. That's like, that's yeah. you pulling exactly what you want out of the text instead yep. of pulling the text as a whole out. Yep, exactly. So how do you handle tough and confusing passages? Great question. I think, so there are, there's so many tough passages in the Bible. I think first, um, having like the fundamental understanding of God, you kind of mentioned it earlier, mm-hmm. um, but just like cross-referencing scriptures. Yeah. Um, because again, like God is unchanging. He is immutable. Um, so what is true about him in a confusing part of the Bible is also going to be uh, true about him in a not confusing part of the Bible. Like mm-hmm. he, he does not change. And so uh, resting in the fact that even even in these tough passages where it may be hard to see that God is good, we can rest in the fact that he is good regardless. Mm. And so kind of letting that um, shape our approach to it. Um, I'm reading, right now I'm reading a book by Charles Spurgeon called Words of Counsel. And one of the chapters in it, he talks about um, like reading the scripture and he talks about like there are a lot of, you know, like deep, hard to understand um, passages. And here's a, a quote from him. He says, Many of the veils which are cast over scripture are not meant to hide the meaning from the diligent, but to compel the mind to be active. Mm. And so in that, like he's saying, like, you know, these tough and hard to understand passages aren't meant um, to to discourage you, but they're meant to encourage you into greater depths. And so so with that, when you come across these uh, these hard to understand passages, I think first like just sit there and just just wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, take what you know to be true about God from again from other parts of scriptures, um, and just and just take that principle and apply it to what you're reading there. Uh, see how it holds up. See, um, just kind of wrestle with what seems to be contradictions, but mm-hmm. obviously is not a contradiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but ju- I mean, just just wrestle with it, um, and then you know pray pray about it, meditate on it. I think mm-hmm. is a huge thing. Literally just sit there. I think um, a huge uh, for myself, a personal weakness is I would just take things as a fact instead of like questioning it a lot mm-hmm. of times. Um, and so sometimes like I'll, I'll take like a, I'll see like a hard to read passage and I'll just kind of accept it. It's like, okay, cool. I don't understand it, but whatever, I'll move on. Um, but there's so much beauty in, again, just asking these questions. And that's like a, uh, I don't want to say a skill, but like a habit that I've really had to develop over the last uh, you know, few years is just like really digging into again, always asking questions. And so now, instead of just taking um, those hard to read or hard to understand passages at their face value, I actually like dig in and interpret and you know try and understand mm-hmm. what they are trying to say. And to be honest, like sometimes I don't don't get that full like understanding. Like mm-hmm. there's there's so much that I just will not understand. Yeah. Like I, I will try and try and try. Um, but there's just some stuff just because, you know, God is an unfathomable and incomprehensible mm-hmm. God. Um, but saying that, that's not an excuse to not learn more about God, right. obviously. Well, I guess I'm just not going to know this. Yep, it's unknowable. Oh, well, I'll move on <laughs> with my life. I don't care. Yeah. Um, no, bad attitude. Do not do that. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, just meditate on it, pray with it. And then I also think, like, when I get to those points, um, after I've wrestled with it, which I think is huge here, after I've wrestled with it and, like, try to digest it, not been able to figure it out, then go to like a resource, mm-hmm. like go to um, like a commentary mm-hmm. or even somebody that you um, like know to be uh, like biblically sound. 
Like just yeah. go to someone, ask questions with them. Kind of don't just take their answer with it. If you're going to a you know a person, just wrestle with them and mm-hmm. uh, figure out the truth in whatever it is you're wrestling with. Um, and then obviously with commentaries, those are such helpful um, guides because they're mm-hmm. written by crazy smart people. Um, and so just you know just reading those and really trying to get a grasp of okay, what is the context here? What is this saying? How does this apply? How does the rest of scripture apply to this scripture mm-hmm. here? Um, is just huge. Yeah, and I think the f- the point that you emphasized there was go to commentaries after you've already wrestled with the text. Yes, absolutely. You That's know, so huge. You don't want to just adopt someone else's theology. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to come up with your own thoughts on um, what this scripture is saying. Now, not... <laughs> This is what I think it means to me. Yeah, big distinction there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want to be able to kind of, you know, let the spirit do the spirit's work in your heart mm-hmm. before you go to someone else and hear what the spirit's been doing in their heart, revealing to them. Yeah, because I, I think a, a huge distinction here is any commentary you read, any person you talk to, any sermon you hear is coming from a broken person. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. no matter how great of a theologian you think they are like they are still a broken person who does not have the perfect understanding of god Mm -hmm. and so obviously use them as resources they're great resources and they've thought a lot about it but the the resource that you should go to first is god it's the spirit of god is the truth of god the word of god all of that Mm -hmm. before you turn to someone who has a, a broken view of god yeah Along with resources, I think that they can be very helpful, especially when you're looking up things like 15 shekels of silver, of yes. silver and a homer, you know? Um, so yeah, what you are, can ponder that all you want. <laughs> and I wouldn't get anywhere you know, with that. no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Being able to look those things up and yeah. be like, okay, this is what it, it this is what this word means. And yeah. then wrestling with the theological concepts and themes and ideas. Yeah. Yeah. If you own. need to understand the context of it, yeah. then I think that that's, that's its own thing. And that's very helpful a lot of times to be able to understand the context of the things that are happening before right. you dive theologically into the passage. Right. So, because that, if you don't understand the context and that can get you in some really messed up places theologically. Yep. yep that's a dangerous <laughs> game for sure. Yeah. What are some helpful commentaries and resources sure. that you have found in, in your interpretation stage? Yes. So my favorite one um, is called Enduring Word, mm-hmm. um, and that's a free online resource. It's just some website. We love free. Absolutely. As a college student, <laughs> that is key. Um, so it's just a website called EnduringWord.com, and that's been uh, huge for me. Um, another resource is uh, Dr. Constable's Notes. Yeah. Um, I know that our pastor talks a lot about him, I guess, um, and using that as a resource. Um, and so mm-hmm. I found that helpful a few times. That's a, a really, really kind of in-depth commentary, mm-hmm. uh, which is helpful. Um, Enduring Word is more, uh, it's still very, very in-depth, but um, not so much giant paragraphs to read as Dr. Constable is. <laughs> yeah. um, a little more palatable in okay. when you're trying to look stuff up. Um, and then also just like a, a good study Bible. Like mm-hmm. I've got like an ESV study Bible mm-hmm. um, that I'll use. That's honestly, it's become my last resource that I go to. I don't necessarily know why, but um, it's still a fantastic resource yeah. that's written by people way smarter than me. So, mm-hmm. Well, and also if you just have a study Bible as like your Bible, mm-hmm. it's super convenient because yeah, you can just true. look down. And it's I mean, right there. not every verse has commentary yeah. over it or else your Bible would be <laughs> really, well, gosh, really Gosh, I cannot imagine how big that would be <laughs> if every verse and every word had commentary on it. Oh my goodness. But it will help um, clear up some of those more like arbitrary verses and yeah. things that just are very confusing. Yeah. Things that like culturally 
uh, yeah. the context has been lost. Yes, yeah. exactly. I also think um, we mentioned going back to the original language, yes. Hebrew and Greek. Um, a website that's so good for that is Blue Letter Bible. Mm. Um, I don't know, .org maybe? I don't know. I don't you know. just search Blue Letter Bible. <laughs> um, you can look up. It has about, I think, 14 different translations of the oh, Bible wow. that you that's can cool. look up. And then it has um, every word or phrase that will have a link to the original Hebrew or Greek. And it even like, it gives you a lot of really cool things about it. It'll like tell you how it's pronounced and things like that, which nice. I just think is That's really awesome. funny. Some of those words are really funny. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> to pronounce. Um, and then one other one, if you want to be fancy and you have money for this um, and get like an actual commentary, um, a lot of times I just, I won't know if a commentary is reliable or not mm. just because there's so many different commentaries out there yep. um but bestcommentaries.org will help you narrow down commentaries that are trustworthy and reliable and dependable so i mean everything else that we've talked about are free except for if you get yourself like a study bible yeah that's not free uh, but the websites are all free yep. and they're all very great um the last one the, le- the last website is something that we mentioned last week is desiring god John Piper's website has a lot of really good articles, sermons, podcasts yeah. that um, just have a lot more in-depth information about certain topics that sure. you'll find. Yeah. So, Awesome. Well, Jonathan, is there anything else that you would like to share with us that we haven't gone over? Man, I don't think so. I think we've talked a lot, um, yeah. which has been awesome, mm-hmm. but I really don't think I have anything else to say, to be honest. Awesome. I mean, yeah, you shared a lot of really good insight <laughs> into interpretation. I'm really glad... I mean, I had you on this podcast for a purpose because I knew that you do some really amazing interpreting. Thank you. I, man, I mean, I'm still, again, a broken person, but I love just actually just digging into the word of God, like in the, in the deepest level I possibly can, which is not very deep. I'm, you know, not, I'm not all that smart, but again, it's good. It is good. good. It's so good. Thanks so much for being here, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, Laura. Thank you for saying that. Jonathan is fun to talk about the Bible with because he really does take his time to study and learn from what he's reading. Thanks so much for joining us this week and make sure to tune in next week for what might be the funniest episode yet as I am joined by two of our amazing student leaders, Maddie and Paige, and we're going to talk about the importance of dwelling on what we're reading. Y'all have a great week and we'll see you next Monday.